Because if people don't feel like if I'm being harmed and no one else is going to do something about it to protect me, they're not going to want to contribute to your workplace. They're not going to want to be them authentic selves. They're not going to speak up when they have the best idea in the room because they're not going to feel safe. Have you ever felt excluded, both personally or professionally? I am sure most of us have faced this uncomfortable feeling, whether as children or as adults. We all want to belong, where we can thrive, feel confident with those around us, and know that we are part of the bigger picture. In her latest TEDx talk, Sejal Thacker, former employment law attorney, two-times TEDx speaker, and the founder and chief civility officer at Train Extra, a woman minority-owned training consulting firm, helps leaders create positive, safe, and respectful workplaces through training and coaching. Wouldn't we all like to create change in our lives? These compelling and extraordinary conversations can help you make better life choices. I'm Terry Yaffe, executive career and business coach and founder of Try Coaching. Hi there, Sejal. How are you today? I am good. So glad to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? This is my honor and my pleasure. You have so much to talk about that is so important. And that's what we do here. We have these great conversations about creating change and why it's so important to do that. Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Thank you so much again for inviting me. And I've been looking forward to our conversation. So just a little bit of background about how I got here. You know, I'm a daughter of immigrant parents who came to the United States for a better life. I was born and raised in Chicago. I grew up in a, a predominantly Italian neighborhood. So I'm Indian and we were the only Indian family growing up. So, you know, I dealt with some harassment and discrimination growing up, but that really kind of was what led me to making the decision that I wanted to go to law school. And so I, you know, I wanted to be an advocate for social justice. And so I knew very early on that I wanted to go to law school and become an attorney. And so I did that. And then I moved to California right after law school. And I've been practicing employment law out here. Initially, I was a defense attorney. So I was representing management in court on cases of harassment, discrimination. But then, you know, after I had my son, I decided that I really wanted to be at home with him as much as possible and decided to leave practice of law, but rather focus more on helping create better workplace cultures so we don't end up in situations where we need lawyers in the first place, right? So so now I'm just basically doing, I, I started my company Train Extra in 2017, and I just do workshops on a lot of different topics to clients all over the globe and do my part in helping create healthier workplaces. Wonderful. I, I love it. I love it because I think globally, we all need to look at what's happening with all the anti-everything mm-hmm. and looking at certainly workplaces where we all can feel left out, mm-hmm. not belonging, 
I know you're going to go into that, so I'm not going to steal your show. <laughs> no, 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 no. We There's so many things you and I can talk about. You know, I'm a huge fan of your work and I've been following you on LinkedIn. So this is, we could talk about anything, but I'll start by just sharing a little bit more about why I do the work I do, because everything that I do now is is really shaped by what I've been through in my life and, the you know, starting from childhood. And so, as you know, I've done a couple different TEDx talks on topics that are really, really important to me. And the whole reason I did those talks is because I wanted to raise awareness on these issues that really impacted my upbringing, you know, and, and have shaped me into the person I am today. So as I mentioned, my parents, you know, are Indian immigrants. And so I have a couple different things in my life that have really impacted me. And one of them was the fact that, you know, they literally moved here from India and then started to work. They barely spoke English. And so I grew up in an environment where it was literally Indian at home from everything from religion to the food, the values, what we wore, what we, I mean, everything right inside the house. And then outside the house, it was, I'm a part of the American culture and I'm born here and I'm raised here and I'm at school with people that are born. You know, I mean, so it was just completely two different worlds. And so that duality has shaped a lot of who I am because I never really felt like I fit in or belong to either one of those. And so that's what the second talk is about is this concept of belonging and, and how, how I have found my sense of belonging. And then the first one kind of you know, is a precursor to this topic because it deals with more with sort of the other part of my life that has really got me to where I'm at, where, you know, as a, as a child going through harassment and bullying and, and how that impacts us and how that changes who we are. And when I got older and I went through law school and I, I started working, I learned about unconscious bias and the power of unconscious bias. And I was, first of all, really pissed off because I'm like, why did I, I, I'm an educated person and I'm just learning about this, something that impacts every single decision we make. And it just made me so upset that I've, I've kind of made it like a passion that I want to learn everything I can about it. And I want to teach people about it. And that's what really was why I picked that topic for the first talk was to educate people on unconscious bias, on what it is, how it's normal, and then give them some strategies because we've learned a lot over the last decade about how our brain works and how these biases work. So I'll let you take the lead on this is your, but and we'll go down wherever you want to go on this. And I, I can share more. <laughs> of course. And you will be. This is your show. I'm just here. Yes. Unconscious bias. We all have it. You know, if you say to people, are you, oh, no, I'm not biased at all, but we we no matter how well adjusted or how aware we are yes we all have unconscious biases and i even see it within myself i mean i've studied buddhism for years i was in therapy for eons i'm a coach i know so much about the inner workings however i know we all have it and of course it's about knowing you have it, not letting it get in the way of how you live your life and how you treat others, other than not knowing you have it and keep repeating patterns that show unconscious bias. 
Absolutely. And, and, and I just, I think it's very important so that, you know, we define what we mean by bias because people don't, like you said it, you said it perfectly. And that's the reason why actually, because there's a negative bias associated with the word bias, right? So in my workshops, when I started doing my workshops on unconscious bias, and I would say the word bias, I noticed immediately that some of those folks were checking out. They're like, I don't have bias. So bias really are just mental shortcuts or stereotypes that our brain makes. It's part of our inherent nature that we, yeah, that we use to categorize people and situation and things. It happens automatically and it happens outside of our awareness. And yes, you're right. It comes from our upbringing, our experiences, our religions, our cultural norms. It comes from just living our life. So it's normal. And, And again, don't forget, biases could be explicit, right? And so they could be explicit, meaning you, you have a certain prejudice towards somebody you're aware of it. So now you're not going to be friends with anybody from that religion or from that race or because Absolutely. they like a certain. So they could be explicit, but there's the other kind. And that's really what the first TEDx talk about, the hidden biases, the implicit biases that we're not aware of, which make up a majority of the reason that we're making the decisions that we're making. Right. But I think the other part of bias that people forget is that they can be positive or negative, right? People just automatically go to, it's got to be a negative bias, but wait a second. So for example, as you know, you've read a lot of my LinkedIn posts and you've seen my TEDx talks. My son is the center of my universe, right? I love him dearly. Everything I do is to do what I can to make a better future for him, right? And so if I saw somebody that looked like my son, that reminded me of my son, I would probably have a favorable predisposition towards that person. I would be kinder. I might smile at them a little bit more. I might be more friendlier. I might invite them to a a dinner. You just don't know. But I think people forget that. They automatically rush to judgment. They're like, I don't have any. And I'm like, well, (laughs) in your estimation and your world, because this is what you do, do you think that today, 2023, more people are aware and are making an effort to be consciously aware of their biases, positive, negative in the business world, because it was definitely, definitely years ago in that business world, because I saw it a lot. And even in personal and professional. So here's how I'm going to answer that in two parts. It's not enough. We need more people to do this work, right? It's absolutely, if we were going to say a scale of zero to a hundred, right? How many more people need to do the work? I would say 98% more people need to do the work because people still, again, it's so new to so many people. I mean, until that incident happened with Starbucks, where two F in Philadelphia, you might have heard about it. This was in 2019. 2019, two African-American men were arrested at a Starbucks. And that was the first real time that the private sector heard about unconscious bias because Starbucks closed down all of their stores across the nation and they started putting people through unconscious bias training. In the, in the work environment, in the corporate work environment, this was like literally the case where I feel like before that, nobody knew what it was. Maybe if you were a diversity inclusion consultant or a trainer or you worked in that field, you knew about it. Or if you worked in an educational setting like a university, you were exposed to it. But for the most part, 
people did not understand it and still don't. So that being said, I believe today, if we were to look at when I started my business, because that's what I gauge it on, because I was doing the unconscious bias training and workshops back then, and I'm still doing them now. And I would say, yes, a lot more people are open and willing to have these conversations than they were in 2017, 100%. I could be wrong, but I did some work. I volunteered at the Met for a while, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And they introduced these must-see workshops. Mm -hmm. They were all video on sexual harassment, unconscious bias, diversity, equity, everything. Every person that worked there had to take that process. And I, I could be wrong, but I'm thinking many companies are now instituting that type of training. Yes, definitely more. And many are, especially the bigger ones, you know, the one, the smaller, smaller businesses, you know, I would say probably under 50, you know, maybe even a hundred. We're not seeing much of that yet. And I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday is really excited because I am finally tapping into the tech space, you know, the new founders and that and that startup world where when I started my company in 2017, I was knocking on these companies' doors saying, let me come in there. Let me talk to your teams about civility. Let me talk to them about unconscious bias. And I was getting the door shut in my face, like left and right, because they're like, we're not big enough. We don't have enough money. I was getting all kinds of excuses. And now they're open to it. So I am excited and hopeful that this continues. And I think, you know, obviously with everything that's happened in the pandemic, with the civil rights movement, you know, with the George Floyd, like bias has come now to the forefront. And I don't see that slowing down. Like, I, I think something's oh, slow down a little bit, but I think people's, you know, obviously, you know, people are just not willing to tolerate as much anymore in the workplace, especially, but it just even in our communities. Do you agree? I mean, that's what absolutely, I feel. you know, the great resignation, people leaving companies, they don't want to be part of a toxic culture. Yeah. So either companies are losing great talent and not replacing them right. or, you know, they're getting with the program and they're starting to create a culture of camaraderie, a culture of being seen and heard. No, I'm going to say it's so important what you just said. It it is. It's got to be intentional. Absolutely. Because it doesn't happen unintentionally. And it's not just the one workshop. You know, let's just be real. I mean, you can bring in the best facilitator and they can get a killer workout. Everybody can walk out motivated and inspired but you still have to do the rest of the work, right? And so I always make that clear because, you know, I I, I hear people say, well, you know, you, you come in and do these workshops and I'm like, yeah, I'm just a piece of the big picture. There's a lot more that needs to happen to create that culture. But we both know, and we see this over and over again, that if you put in that intention to really make it a holistic part of your plan, that that's going to leave everybody feeling better. You're, you're going to, people are going to feel respected, valued, seen. They're going to want to work for your organizations. You're going to be able to innovate. You're going to be able to solve problems. And basically, if you can't do that now, you won't, you won't make it. You won't survive at that we're growing, right? So I love certainly the second workshop you did, Longing to Belonging. And I think all of us want to belong, especially in, you know, certainly in the workforce, where we're not invited mm-hmm. 
to uh, meetings or things that we should be. We're kind of left out. It's a horrible, horrible feeling. Growing up, my parents weren't immigrants. However, I never felt like I belonged in where I lived. Whatever it was, I was a sensitive kid and I was left out of things in the workplace. I could feel it in certain companies I worked for. So talk a little bit about how you work with companies in bringing this to the forefront and showing them the choice of positivity, of having it be a safe, as you say, civil Mm-hmm. workplace. Yeah. And, and thank you for your story, sharing your story there. You know, it's it's been incredible. I didn't realize the impact that second talk would have because since doing it, I've had so many conversations with people where they've shared their stories of when they felt that lack of belonging. And it's just, it's been so humbling. And I, it's just, you realize you're all alone until you start talking to people. Right. And as we talk to more people and realize wait a second, it's not that we're not alone, it's that we're not connecting to other people. We're not talking to them about these things, you know? So anyway, I could talk to you about that for days, but thank you for sharing that with me. So yeah, so for the work that I do, you know, I think it's important to highlight that I've seen what happens in organizations when they don't create a sense of belonging, when they don't create inclusion, when they don't have civil work environments. I've seen that side because I've represented these leaders, right? And so- Doing this work as an employment law attorney and doing workplace investigations, defending clients, what I quickly saw was, wait a second, we are being reactive to what's going on. We're not doing everything we could be doing to prevent these kinds of things from happening in the workplace. And so when I started looking at and started to analyze like the cases I was working on and looking at what could the organizations have done in this situation to prevent that lawsuit? And I just started noting certain trends, certain themes that kept popping up over and over again, right? Like people want to help when they see something happening at work that doesn't feel good to them. They want to help, you know, but a lot of them just don't know what to say or how to say it. So people didn't know how to intervene. So a lot of the work I do with organizations is bystander intervention training, right? To teach people. And it's really the bystanders who see this stuff happening in the workplace. When they see someone feeling excluded, when they see someone being harassed, it's the bystander's responsibility to step in and do something about it. But if people don't know what to say or what to do, they can't do that. So my one of my main things is how do we empower people to get involved and to do it in the right way so that more people can be allies for each other, right? So that's a lot of what I work with organizations because- If you don't have that, then you can never have psychological safety, right? Because if people don't feel like if I'm being harmed and no one else is going to do something about it to protect me, they're not going to want to contribute to your workplace. They're not going to want to be them authentic selves. They're not going to speak up when they have the best idea in the room because they're not going to feel safe. They're not going to challenge that. So when I started looking at everything, I created a program called Civility, Building and Fostering Civility at Work, because what I saw organizations doing is some element of your compliance training. That was insufficient to address all these things that I've been talking about. And then I saw some organizations doing diversity and inclusion training, but there were gaps between the two, and they didn't 
emphasize the thought things that I wanted them to that I thought were important. So my civility training is one that I work with all organizations around the globe, across all industries, because it applies to everybody, right? It gives them tools that they can start using right away so that they can do their part in helping us to foster better workplaces. So it's all about empowering people. We could spend an hour on this because it is such an important topic. And the fact that you are so in the thick of it and really creating change in your corner of the world and really making a difference. What are some tidbits, takeaways that you can offer our listeners empowerment, be an ally, step in when it's called for? Okay. So uh, the, the biggest thing I would say for everybody that's listening is First of all, watch the two TEDx talks that I've done because I did them specifically for the purpose of helping people understand that we can change and retrain and take accountability for our experiences. And all of our experiences are different. So learn about your unconscious biases, understand what they are. It's We've learned so much that you can, there's a tool online, it's free, it's called the Implicit Association Test. Type it into Dr. Google, take this test. Under Your unconscious biases are only harmful when you don't know what they are. Because when you don't know what they are, then you can't do the strategies like the one I talked about in my first TEDx talk, the HAT strategy. You can do things to mitigate the unconscious bias so you don't harm people, including the ones that you love. So do the work to understand what they are. And then I think it's important for all of us, because we've all been excluded at some time, to harness that power and move ourselves from that feeling of when we're feeling excluded, that we have to do something about it in that situation. So what can we do? And that's what the second TEDx talk is, empowering yourself with some tools so that you can you can accept responsibility for whatever that situation is and figure out a way to get out of it and not hurt for as long as I did when I was dealing with those things because I didn't have resources. I didn't have anybody telling me, here's what you could do. And so I really wanted to, again, empower people to take radical responsibility for their own lives, not spend years and years of what like I went through, what a lot of people go through because they try to hide from their pain or, or they try to run from it. So I want, so that's why I'm going to encourage everybody just to watch those two talks because they're empowering. And then you can take that and follow me on LinkedIn. I'm always putting out content on these topics because I, I really think it's about people not knowing, not having awareness of what they can do to make their life better. And so that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it there. Why don't you tell us where people can find your TED Talks? So yeah, so if you go to my, you can go to my LinkedIn profile and right there in featured, I have both of my TEDx talks there, or you could go to YouTube and just type in my name, Sage Thacker, and both of them are on YouTube as well. Or you could go to my company website, right, trainextra.com, and they're both on there as well. Sage, this has been so amazing, really, so wonderful. I am so thrilled that we have had the opportunity to have this really important, necessary conversation. And who better than you to do it for us? I'm just going to say thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And I love being connected to you. 
Oh my God, the feelings are right back at you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad that I was able to talk about some of this stuff and thank you for creating a space for us to be able to share our stories and learn more about each other. I'm more excited about our connection now that I've got to know you a little bit more. So I thank you. And that's the whole idea of extraordinary work, conversations about creating change. These podcasts are there for people to be inspired to hear other people's stories so maybe they can go out and create their own change. Yay, I love it. (laughs) Be well, take care. Thank you for joining the conversation. For related content on extraordinary work, visit my website, trycoaching.com. I'll be back in two weeks with another conversation. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe to future podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Always remember, when you work with passion and purpose, your work can become extraordinary. My next guest, Samantha Tredelius, a successful commercial property insurance broker, talks to us about her mission and passion in life which is to support and uplift women with her Sparkle Foundation and its resource arm, Sparkle Biz, and why celebrating women and making a difference is her purpose and gives her great fulfillment.